Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we indeed thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your presence. And Lord, as we speak into the lives of these single individuals, I pray, Father, that you will help me articulate what the Spirit of God wants to say to them. And I thank you that every word from God will land on good ground. And their lives will be changed for the better in the name of Jesus Christ. And as I decrease, I thank you for the anointing of God to feed every one of them spiritually in Jesus' name. Everybody say, Amen, Amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Today we're completing our series entitled Survivor. Everybody say Survivor. That just means this is our last week of separating our services of married and single people. And the purpose of us doing that was to address the needs of those who are married so that they can have strong and healthy marriages. And then secondly, to minister to our singles so you all know how to live a successful single life. Now, if you're visiting us for the first time, we've been using the last three Sundays in September to address this specific needs for these two groups. And so uh, today, uh, for this service, I'm talking to our singles, and our message title is different than what I originally had planned. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Seeking during your season of silence. Seeking during your season of silence. And the goal of today's message is to help every single person know what to expect and what to do until their God-given mate comes across their path. And even if you're not desiring to get married again, I believe the principles that I'm going to be sharing today is going to help you in your walk. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Luke chapter 2 verses 40. And then Luke chapter 3, verses 21. That was Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And then Luke chapter 3, verses 21. And I have three simple points this morning. And I really want you to grab this. If there was any message that was important, in my opinion, in this whole series for my singles, this is the message today. All right? So the first point that I want you to write down if you're taking notes is silence should precede a soulmate. Silence should precede a soulmate. And if you're taking notes, the notes are also on the screen as well. And then let's look now in Luke chapter 2 because I'm going to explain to you what 
the season of silence means and what you should be doing during this season because believe it or not, if you have a desire to get married, guess what? Your single life is only for a season. And in Luke chapter 2 verses 40, this is the story of Jesus and it says, and the child grew. Somebody underline child in your Bible. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. Somebody underlined strong in spirit. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Now, his parents, everybody say he had accountability. His parents went to Jerusalem uh, every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was how old, uh, class? How old? When Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child, somebody underlined child, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Verse 44. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after how many days? Three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Verse 48. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son... Why have you dealt with us this way? Behold, your father and I have looked for you sorrowing, verse 49. And he, Jesus, said to them, How is it that you sought me? Know you not that I must be about my what? Father's business, but I want you to listen to the rest of it. And they understood not the saying which he spoke to them, verse 51. And he went down with who? He went down with them. So if it was okay for him at 12 years old to do what he was doing, they would have left him there. But it wasn't okay. So the Bible says he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was what class? He was subject. He was submitted to them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Now watch this now. Here's the key. And Jesus increased. Everybody say increased. He increased in wisdom and in stature and he increased in favor with God and man. And somebody say amen to that. Amen. Now, let's jump down now to Luke chapter 3. Go to Luke chapter 3 and let's look in verse 21. Because that whole context just showed us that Jesus was willing to do his father's will at the age of 12. Now, let's fast forward his life. Because I'm going to show you that Jesus had a silent period in his life. In verse 21 it says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heavens was open, And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. Which says that at, before that time period, the Holy Spirit had not descended on him this way. Watch this now. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son. 
In you, I am what class? Well, please watch this now. And Jesus himself began to be about what? 30 years of age being as was supposed the son of Joseph who was the son of Heli. I wanted you to see that Jesus, watch this now, he had a desire to do God's will. He had discernment to know what God's will was. He was willing to do what God's will was. But for some reason, Jesus did not properly discern, watch this now, God's divine delay in his life to do it. Because when he was at the temple, he was 12 years old, and now he's 30. So watch this. Between 12 and 30, it means he was there 18 years, and there was nothing in the Bible that talked about it. In other words, Jesus went 18 years of silence before he began his ministry. And here's the thing. Jesus was too young to understand the divine delay that was part of God's will. And the reason why the delay was there was to develop him. And most single people desire a mate for their lives, but most of them do not understand that God's delay in their life is for their development. So here's point number two. Delays are designed for development. Delays are designed for development. I'm talking about, and I'm talking to those of you who want to get married. Or I'm going to get married. I'm ready to get married. But my question to you is, what are you doing with the divine delay in your life? Delays are designed for development. In other words, development happens over time and not overnight. I'm going to say that again. Development. It happens over time and not overnight. So here's a take-home thought that I want to give you. You can just write down T-H-T, take-home thought. Time without personal, spiritual, and emotional development will always result in immaturity. I'm going to say this again, and I need you all to really receive what I'm saying because this can change your life. Time. Because you say, I'm just waiting on God to bring me a man. I'm waiting on God to bring me a woman. Well, time without personal, spiritual, and emotional development will always result in immaturity. And that's why people who end up getting married have trouble in their marriage. It's because both of them are immature. Amen. And many singles try to force right their season for marriage. Waiting on God for a mate or waiting for his promises to come to pass in your life requires development, faith, and patience. And the reason is because development is the reason for your season of silence. In other words, between your single life and between God bringing that person in your life who is supposed to be your lifetime mate, that time frame in between is what I call a season of silence. Amen. Now go to Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. Go to Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. Hebrews 6 verse 12. Many single people don't understand the purpose for the time delay 
between them being single and them being married. I'll, you know what they're thinking? They're just thinking that God is mad at them and for some reason he don't want them to get married. When he, he wants you to take advantage of that time for him to develop you. Can somebody say amen? Now look at Hebrews chapter 6, look at verse 12. He says that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through what? Faith and what else? Patience did what? Inherit the what? He said, you know what? Don't be lazy. Follow people who through their faith and their patience have received the kind of promise you want. See, listen, I understand being single because I used to be. But I used the time, that season of silence in my life, instead of using that time to party and to date and to be distracted, I used that time to allow God to develop me. And because I was ready, watch this now, because now I was overqualified to be single, he had to bring a mate for my life. Amen. So it goes on to say in verse 13, or verse uh, 13. But when God made a promise to Abraham, he may have promised you you're going to get married because he swore by no greater. He swore by himself saying, surely blessing. I will bless you. Surely if you have a desire to get married, I'm going to bless you with that. And multiplying, I will multiply thee. But watch verse 15. And so after he, Abraham, had patiently Endured, everybody say that's silent season. After he patiently endured, what happened? He obtained the promise. Now go to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Go to 1 Samuel 16. I am not going to finish this lesson, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to finish it. Go to 1 Samuel 16. Because see, some of you all need this lesson because you are forced riping your season. If you've ever taken a, a fruit or purchased a fruit from the store that wasn't ready, it doesn't taste good. In 1 Samuel 16, I'm going to show you now somebody who had a season of silence in their life. So you can see that this is a biblical thing. Watch this. 1 Samuel 16, look in verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Let me just give you the overview of this story. Sam, uh, Samuel was the prophet and Saul was the king. And the king had disobeyed God and God said, you know what? I've, I've, I'm rejecting you from being king. I can't let you be king no more. So God had to find another king. So he told, he told Samuel, look, stop mourning uh, for Saul. He said, now, go fill up your horn with oil and go, and I'm going to send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king, watch this, among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I'm coming to, watch this, to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you... Watch this, what you should do. And you shall anoint unto me him whom I, I have named unto you to be king. 
Verse 4. And Samuel did that which the Lord spoke and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming. They said, are you coming peaceably? He said, oh yeah, I'm coming peaceably. I'm coming to sacrifice to the Lord. He said, sanctify yourself. And then he says, come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons. Now remember, Jesse is David's dad. And called them to the sacrifice. Now, I'm in 1 Samuel now, 16, look in verse uh, 6. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab, which was uh, Jesse's oldest son, and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Watch this though. But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on his height or his, of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For the Lord looks on the out, for the man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on what? See, that takes spiritual maturity. Some of you all are not ready for who God is sending because you caught up, you caught up in the flesh. Watch this, verse 8. Then Jesse called in Abinadad and made him pass before Saul. And long story short, man, he, he got all his sons and none of them, you know, the Lord said, hey, it ain't none of them. And so in verse 11, he says, and Samuel said to Jesse, are all your children here? And he said, well, no, there remains yet the youngest one. And behold, he's out there keeping sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, go get him. For we will not sit down until you bring him. Verse 12. And he sent him and brought him in. And he was a ruddy. And he was a be- had a beautiful countenance. And was good looking. So watch this. So even the Lord's criteria for a mate for you. Still considers the outward appearance. I mean he ain't gonna, he ain't gonna make you marry. You know Jethro, Cl- Jethro Clampett or somebody. I mean David was good looking. Watch this now, verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Now go to 2 Samuel, quickly, chapter 5. 2 Samuel, quickly, chapter 5. Because history shows that when David was anointed, he was around 16 years old. Now watch this, 2 Samuel chapter 5, look at verse 3. So all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron, and King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over what? Israel. And David was 30 years old when he began to what? Reign as king. And he reigned for 30 for 40 years. So watch this. He was anointed by the prophet when he was 16. But he did not start doing what he was anointed to do until he was 30. There was a season of silence in his life. David needed to be developed. David need to, he needed to learn how to overcome an enemy. He needed to learn how to intercede. He needed to understand his relationship with God. And here's the thing. What causes, what causes most single people to interrupt their season of silence are things that they're not even aware of. So here's what I'm going to do. I have four or five things that, that, that interrupts 
a, a single person's season of silence. See, cause see, some of y'all are despising your single your season of silence. You're despising it. I should be married by now. I'm too old to be single. I'm not even gonna be able to have a baby by the time I'm married. I'm talking to somebody right. Slap your neighbor and say he's talking to you. So here's my question. What causes a single person to interrupt their season of silence until God brings their mate? Here's the first one, distractions. Y'all remember my story about Nicole? Yeah, she was a distraction. And many of you, you interrupt your season of silence for, for God to develop you because of distractions. Here's the biggest one, dating. Dating is one of a single person's biggest distractions and interruptions in a single person's season of silence. And see, what you all don't realize, there are some things you need to consider before you even start dating. I'm just going to throw these out there. You're going to have to get the CD on this. So if you think you're ready to be dating, let me just throw some things out that you need to be considering before you start dating. First of all, is this person saved and are they, are they an active believer in Jesus Christ? Or is their Christianity dormant? Or did it come out when they met you? <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, he's talking to somebody in here. <laughs> Here's another thing you need to consider when you're, before you date. Before you date, not when you start dating, before you date. You need to ask yourself, what spiritual grade is this person in? And is it close to the spiritual grade that I'm in? You know, because I have seen in most cases that most Christian women are spiritual cougars. Oh, y'all didn't get that, did you? See, see, we got cougars in society. Those are older women wanting to be with a younger man. Well, we got women that are Christians who are spiritual cougars. Here they are, been walking with the Lord, and they get a dude to just save. That dude, he can't even quit smoking cigarettes. You've been walking with the Lord 15 years, and he in the first grade, and you, you got your Ph.D. spiritually. Or a man of God, you've been walking with the Lord, but because she's so pretty to you, guess what? She's in preschool spiritually, and here you are, you in high school, you, listen, you spiritually a tiger. I mean, we gotta have, we got a cougar for a name for a lady, we gotta have a man or a lady, you know. What spiritual grade are they in, and is it close to yours? Here's number three. Prayer should always Proceed pushing forward. You never move before you pray. Watch this. Just write this down as a take-home statement. Never move before you pray and before God say. See, some people say, well, I asked the Lord, is it okay for me to date him? And because you didn't hear the Lord say nothing, you just keep going. No, no, no. No, no, no. You don't just pray, but you wait for God to say. This is stuff you do before you start dating. Here's another question you ask. Is this person faithful to the Lord? Are they consistently walking with him? Or are you interrupting their season of silence? Here's another one. Are they connected and involved in a church? Or did they just start coming to church because you go to church? When was the last time they were in a relationship? That's information you need to know. They, just, they may just be bouncing back. 
Here's another one. Are they living a consistent celibate lifestyle or are you their next booty call? If you are the older generation, if you need interpretation, just see me after service. Watch this. Have you watched them long enough to have heard from God to even move forward? Here's another one. How did you meet this person and were you being faithful to God when you met them? Because the wrong place can mean the wrong person. Are you secretly dating this person? And if you are, why? You've been dating this person for two years, but he ain't never came to your church or she ain't never came to your church. Something wrong with that picture. Is your spiritual life consistent and are you ready to start dating? Are you healed from your last relationship? Are you actively working on being that man or woman of God you need to be? Or are you being distracted with every thought and every person that shows any interest in your life? Is there anyone in your life that can help you spiritually and naturally judge and discern the potential person that you're looking at? Hmm. And here's my last one. If it does not seem right, it's probably not right. Amen. What causes a single person to interrupt their season of silence until God brings their their mate? The first one was distractions. The second one was dating. Here's the third one. Developing unnecessary soul ties. I ain't going to get into that, but we talked about that. Here's another one. Doing it. If you need interpretation on that one, see me after service. I'm still talking about what causes a single person to interrupt their season of silence until God brings their mate doing it. Here's another one. Developing uh, loneliness that's uncontrolled. You can't be by yourself. Here's another one. Here's a big one. Most people that are single interrupt their season of silence Because they doubt God's ability to bless them with their desire. They doubt God's ability to bless them with their desire. In other words, you must trust God with all of your heart knowing that he wants what's best for you just as much as you do. Amen. So so how does a person really know that they trust in God? You know, because we all say, oh, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord. And you dating Tom, Dick, Harry, and Susie. I mean, you know, I'm trusting the Lord, though. And I'm trusting the Lord. Well, how do you know you're trusting the Lord? Number one, you can know you're trusting the Lord when you can ignore substitutes. You can know you're trusting the Lord when you can deny the counterfeits. See, counterfeits look like the real thing, but they're not. I know I'm out of time. You know you trust in the Lord when you can reject the imitations. See, an imitation and a counterfeit are different. A counterfeit looks like the real thing. An imitation acts like the real thing. Mm-hmm. You know you trust in the Lord when the thought of not being married don't even bother you. Mm-mm-mm. So here's my last point. Here's my last point. So what is a single person supposed to do during their season of silence? I done told you you're going to have one. I done told you what people do to distract and interrupt their season of silence. So 
What do you do during this season of silence in your life? Here's number three. You must mature, maintain your focus, and maximize your kingdom service. I'm going to say that again. You must mature, you must maintain your focus, and you must maximize your kingdom service. In other words, maturity means you must be constantly growing. Remember in Luke chapter 2 verse 52 it said Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. He was growing during his time of silence. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2 it says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. While you're in your season of silence you're in the word of God so you can grow. 2 Peter 3.18 says but grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And even doing David when he was in his season of silence. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 18, 14. That David behaved himself wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. What? Listen, maturity shows when you are behaving yourself wisely. That's what you do during your season of silence. Here's the second thing. You got to maintain your focus. You can't let nobody come and break your focus. You know, the Bible says in Philippians 3, 14, I press toward the mark for the prize. You know, my favorite verse is Galatians 5, 7. You did run well. Who did hinder you from obeying the truth? In other words, when you're in your season of silence, you, you have to maintain focus because there are lots of distractions out there. And then here's the last one. And I, as I close, you need to maximize your service. Now, here's the one that I really want to talk about. Jesus knew this because it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, I'm reading out the NIV version. It says, he says, why are you searching for me? He asked, Did you, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? And while you are single and in your season of silence, you need to be about your father's business. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, you should not, you should be addicted to ministry. This is the only time in your life you're going to be single. Stop wasting time. Get involved. And let me tell you what happens. When you slow your momentum or when you interrupt your season of silence, guess what? You stop the process of development. See, God did not supply Adam with a help meet until he needed some help. Now, let's close with this. I know I, I'm going to need some of these young men that ain't doing nothing in, 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 in the church. I'm going to need y'all to stay afterwards to help pack. Because I think this is worth me finishing. Is this worth me finishing? Okay. Go to, go to Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to show you how to get your mate. Right here. See, some of y'all don't know. That your non-service is creating a non-mate. Can I ask you a, 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 a dumb question? It's a dumb question to me. But why should the Lord trust you to serve a mate when you can't serve him? Let me say it again. Why should the Lord trust you to serve a spouse when you're not consistently serving him? 
in Ruth chapter 2, verse 4. And this, this story is famous because most of the women say, I'm waiting on my Boaz. I'm waiting on my Boaz. I am waiting on my Boaz. And, you know, the men are like, I'm waiting on my Ruth. I'm waiting on my Ruth. Well, some of y'all are waiting on Babe Ruth because that's all you're going to get. Because you ain't doing nothing for the Lord. Ruth chapter 2, look in verse 4. It says, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Verse 5. Then Boaz said unto his servant that was set over the reapers, who is that damsel? Who's that young lady? Who's that girl? Who's that lady? Who's that lady? Okay, let me come back. Verse 6. And the servant that was over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitess damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray, or she asked the, 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 the guy over the reaping, May I glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves? So she tarried, watch this now, so, so she came and has continued even from the morning time until now. And that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to go glean in another field, neither go from here, but stay right here by my maidens. Verse 9. He says, Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch you? They won't say nothing to you. Whatever you want, they're going to let you have. Watch verse 10. Then she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground and said, Why have I found grace and favor in your sight that you should, watch this, even notice me or take knowledge of me because I'm a stranger? Look in verse 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It is. Is it has been fully showed to me, watch this, all that you have done unto your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you have left your father and your mother and the land of your nativity and you have come to a people which you knew not here. Watch this. And the Lord is going to repay you for the work and give you a full reward be given by the Lord of hosts. In other words, he said the reason why I noticed you is because you were serving And a lot of you don't know that service is the attraction for your mate. Even if they're not in your presence, God will find them. But Boaz only noticed Ruth because of her service to Naomi. Here's my question to you. What are you doing for God? What are you doing for God? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 15, and I'm closing with this verse. I'm reading out the Amplified. Now, brethren, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts and our first fruits in Achaia. And how they have consecrated and devoted themselves to the service of the saints, which are God's people. My question to you as a single person, what are you doing in your season of silence? If you are a member of this church and you're not doing nothing in this church, you are delaying your time of development. Because God ain't going to trust you to serve a man or serve a woman that you're married to until he can trust you in serving him. 
And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, you may be here this morning. Don't move unless you have a job.